0: This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Welcome, Elevate. Well, I love being with you guys every week. Well, every week I'm challenging you with Another question. All under the heading of one bigger question. The big question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? And it's such a strange question to ask teenagers because most teenagers have never thought about what kind of marriage they wanted. And yet many teenagers are jumping into dating relationships with no clear heading or direction of where they're going. So we're circling back around and building foundation. We've asked the question, are you willing to embrace the other gender's differences? Men and women process life very differently, and the biggest mistake that we make is assuming they think and process the way we do. Are you willing to grow first before jumping into a dating relationship? Because being the right person is more important than getting the right person. Spiritual maturity has to grow in certain places, like having correct priorities or humility, self-control and boundaries. Another question is, are you willing, (coughs) sorry, to date differently than everyone else? To ask the question, will dating enhance or weaken your light for Christ? The definition of Christian dating is two Christians agreeing to companionship towards marriage For God's glory. And last week we had the the filter. Remember the water filter? And the whole idea was that things are taken slow. In fact, dating is number six on the filter list. And the very first week was, are you willing to redefine love? Love's definition, scripturally, is it is a decision to choose. A commitment to choose. To say, I love you, is to say, I choose you and I set myself apart to belong to you, to be yours. I choose you and I set myself apart to be yours. But the good news is is that if love is not an emotion, if love is a choice, then it empowers you. It empowers you to choose wisely. And that's our theme for tonight. We've talked about being the right person. We've talked about healthy steps. In the selection process, but tonight we're talking about who to look for. I need a handful of volunteers. Oh, this is beautiful. I love this open stage. Okay. I need like, uh, I don't know, 10 volunteers. Yeah, sure. One, two, three, four, five. Just if you have your hand up, come up. And I want you to come up onto the stage right here in the middle. Take off your left shoe and stick it right in the middle of this place right here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, you have five seconds. Take off your left shoe, put it in the middle. If you forget which foot is left, I don't care. Just pick off one shoe. All right, now everyone get down on your knees, close your eyes. And on the count of three, find your shoe with your eyes closed. One, two, go! All right, if you find your shoe, stand up and head back to your seats. I found mine. I'm pretty easy. Yes, almost. One last one. Yeah, good job. <laughs> so follow me on this. What you just witnessed or were painfully a part of is society's view of dating, of finding someone. It's this blind search, hoping for the best, and everyone's doing it at the same time. It is chaos, and it's a mess. And then somewhere, somehow, people are supposed to find this mystical one amongst the chaos. This other half, this missing piece in all of that mess. But I kind of want to challenge you with a different question tonight. Are you willing to discover instead of seek, And if those things sound similar, I want you to follow me. Seeking suggests that you're incomplete. You're missing your other shoe, and you're having to blindly search to find what you're missing and who you're missing. Fumbly, fumbling around blindly. Now, we challenged the concept of a, um, some sort of destiny number one in the whole world last week. We challenge the idea of this sort of blind searching, but instead filtering and using wisdom and using time and the Holy Spirit. But if seeking isn't the way to go, if you want something different than what the world has, if you want something of value that's lasting, that's full of the love of God, on a foundation that can't be moved, elevate, you're going to have to do something different than what the world is doing. You can't live your lives searching and seeking frantically in a mess like that. So I challenge you to consider looking who to look for, changing that, not to seeking, not to striving, but to discovering. Discovering suggests confidence. It suggests being equipped. It suggests a purposeful life without neediness. Instead of seeking the one, the missing piece, Christian marriage is actually choosing someone to be your one. Christian seeking, Christian discovering, sorry, is about trusting the Lord. It's about resting because he's in control and he's he's got you. A discovering Christian who's single, feels the freedom to put themselves out there and meet people, to take initiative, to pursue the kind of person they could see themselves with, without anxiety, without pressure, without insecurity, because their focus is different. They aren't seeking their one to find wholeness anymore. They have found their one in Jesus. They are already whole. They don't have to find the missing shoe. They are complete in Christ. So it changes everything. There's rest there. There's peace there. There's no franticness. There's no anxiety A discovering Christian is comfortable in the knowledge that God will get them where he wants them to be, when he wants them to be there, and they'll be with who God wants them to be with when they arrive. Do you hear the rest in that? Their focus is different. They're preoccupied with something different than just finding a romantic partner. Their purpose is far greater than that. It's from a place of peace that they're choosing choosing not not seeking not striving but they're choosing a life partner based on patience and wisdom and the holy spirit. And so tonight we're going to talk about biblical principles to look for. In choosing a partner, you need to be looking for the 3 Cs. The person's course, their character and their compatibility. So first, let's talk about considering their course. There's a great story from one of my uh, living heroes named Bob Goff. And he's one of my heroes because he lives a very whimsical life. He's a lawyer, so he has like a a dry job, except instead of owning a lawyer's office, he has a subscription to Disneyland in California, and he meets his clients out on Tom Sawyer Island. I mean, that's the kind of guy Bob Goff is. Well, Bob Goff, when he was in college, which is probably a long time ago because he's old, hitchhiking was still a thing. And it was common, and so he would dress nicely, and he would stand by the side of the road, and that's how he got from college to home, back and forth. That's how he traveled. Well, one evening, he's on the side of the road, and he's in the middle of nowhere, and he's stuck, and no one's picking him up. To make matters worse, it starts to rain. So he's in a suit, he's got his bag, it's raining on him, and no one's coming. Now see, this is where it gets kind of flinchy. One of his tactics was, when someone would pull up, he would first look in to see them, sort of analyze the environment in there, and then he would ask them where they're going. And this would give him time to sort of assess, is this someone I want to be with and climb in a vehicle with and be behind, you know, have them behind the wheel? Well, now on the side of the road, waiting there for, I think it was like 12 hours, rain, it's miserable. Finally, a van pulls up and he doesn't think twice. He opens the door, climbs in, and the van takes off. And the first thing he noticed was the smell. It was ripe and horrendous. The second thing he noticed was that on the dashboard was a picture of a man's feet. And the third thing he noticed was his driver was this big, burly, bearded guy who wasn't making eye contact with him. So things were getting strange very, very fast. So he thought, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to start a conversation, let's break the ice. And so he said, hey, you know, I'm, what's your name? Where are you going? And the driver didn't answer or look at him. Just kept driving, right? Yeah, me too. Finally, after he tried to initiate a conversation several times, the driver does this. He's sitting there at the scene and he turns his head, you know, like the the villain move in movies, turns his head slowly and goes, do you want to know who I am? I'm Satan. And it's at that moment that Bob really regretted his life decisions and Demanded that the guy pull over and let him out, and also threatened to beat him up while driving if he didn't let him out. So he gets out, he's on the side of the road again, having had his, his uh, moment with Satan, and back in the rain, everything is bad, right? Maybe a little bit better than before. And another Car pulls up, a big station wagon. So he looks in, it's a young woman, she seems safe, and he climbs in, and as they're on the road, he looks in the back, and there's this big instrument box, and he says, well, what is that? And she says, it's my harp. He said, really, what's your name? She goes, my name's Angel. <laughs> You're like, what kind of story is this? To go from Satan to an angel and a harp, I mean, like, that's, that's Bob's Goff's life. We have to be careful who we tie ourselves to. When it comes to getting involved in a romantic relationship, we have to be careful who we get in with. We have to be wise. We have to kind of assess the situation. We don't want to end up in the front seat with the wrong kind of person. So for for you to have A wise idea of where they're going, you need to first know where you're going. So let's turn in scripture together to the book of Hebrews. And it's on the screen, I think, if if you don't have your Bible with you, Hebrews chapter 12. This is this is what God is calling every believer to. If you committed your life to Christ, if Jesus is your Lord, here are your marching orders. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is talking about the chapter that came before it, all the people that are witnesses to God's faithfulness. Since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let's strip off every weight and sin which clings so closely. Imagine a runner running with a backpack of rocks holding dumbbells, and he's saying, we need to strip off all the stuff that's slowing us down, all the stuff that's holding us back. Lay aside every weight, every sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And where's our focus? Looking into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand, of the throne of God. So what's our purpose? What's our focus? Our purpose is we're running a race for Christ. And what's our focus? It's Jesus, looking to Jesus. And a romantic relationship should never divert from that purpose. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, let your eyes look directly forward. Don't swerve to the left or the right. This is your focus. This is where you're going. And the person you're looking for should be walking the same course towards the same goal that you are. And tonight is all about indicators to glance over and see if someone is on a parallel course with you or not. And it's that simple. So the first is consider their course. Who you are, where you're going, and what your focus is defines the course that who you're looking for must be on. Who you're looking for is determined by who you are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is who you are, Christian. I would love to just preach this verse. we could, could spend hours on this. This is beautiful. You, believer, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Consider the blend of that, royalty and priesthood together. A holy nation, a people for his own possession. You belong to God. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You are his own possession for a purpose, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Your identity is for the sake of his glory. So Christian, you belong to the sovereign God. So you're a person of clear identity. You're a person of profound purpose and you're a person of comprehensible value. And you're looking to discover a person of value who is going the same direction and treasures your value. Did you follow me on that? You're looking to discover a person of value who's going the same direction you are, who treasures your value. We put a lot of time and money and energy into promoting ourselves. And I think you're you're like, well, I'm I'm not that haughty, I'm not all about myself. But think about it. We try hard to exhibit what we think people want so that they'll like us, so they'll want us around so that we'll be desirable. How we look. How we smell. How we project ourselves. How we try to be funny. Or how do we try to be serious. Or, or, or how we say things. Like We spend so much energy trying to fit what we think people want for the sake of being wanted. And then add to this, being around someone that you really like, have a crush on, are attracted to. How much more is that heightened? This desire to want to be likable, to want to be desirable. In the realm of Christian discovering, what you choose to promote about yourself is critically important. The quality of people attracted to you will often be proportional to the value that you exhibit. So what is it that you feel tempted to exhibit? What is it that you feel tempted to try to use to be liked, to be desired, to be wanted. Have you ever seen a Rolls Royce commercial on like public TV? Probably not. Have you ever seen a pickup truck commercial on public TV? Right? Well, why do you think that is? Because public TV is promoting to the middle to lower class who can afford pickup trucks. And if someone is right for a Rolls Royce, they know exactly how to go get one. You see the difference? We have to be careful what we promote about ourselves. We need to double check that we're not advertising to the average because middle and low class is who you'll attract. If you feel that you have to compromise your integrity to date someone sooner, you're not a whole person yet. You still see dating as finding your left shoe. Girls, I want to pick on you for a minute. I'm going to get to the guys, so it's okay. Girls, this includes advertising with your bodies. Don't buy the lie that you'll attract a guy, and after you hook him, he'll then seek out your real value and appreciate you. That's not the way this works. What you use to attract will determine who you attract. So decide who you want to come knocking because it's going to shape who you project yourself to be. Sure, you'll attract guys, but are they the kind of guys you want to attract? If you want a high-class life partner, don't advertise to the truck-buying public because they'll come wanting what you're advertising and you'll doom every relationship before it starts. You want a guy who's going to have value seeking someone of value, not someone who is coming for what they can get. Guys. Us. We have been the average that I'm talking about. Sin has messed up our world and corrupted humanity into a place where women feel they can never measure up or find peace with exactly who they are. And guys, we've contributed to it. We need God to give us new hearts and new eyes. And we need him to make us men of integrity who see women the way God sees them and to treat them the way God treats them as invaluable daughters of God. And then perhaps in the little worlds that God has put us in, we can create an atmosphere where the girls around us don't feel that they have to project themselves that way, that they can be who God's meant for them to be. So guys, let's be careful. Now, guys and girls, kind of a closing thought on this. Be and present yourself as the kind of person you hope to find. Look for someone of value who's looking for someone of value. And I've got really good news for you. If you gave your whole life to God's will, you don't have to stress in this. Seek Jesus as your number one and leave your number two to his time and his place and his will. That person, whoever they are, who is on the same course as you, who is a person of value and who treasures your value, is worth waiting for. So first, consider their course. Where are they going? Are they on a parallel course with you? Second, Consider their character. These are, these are indicators that they are going the same direction as you. Here are, let me see how many I've got, five indicators that they're going the same direction as you. The first one, and it's so critical, are they a believer? Do they serve Jesus? Remember we talked about being equally yoked last week? What happens to the weaker ox that's yoked to a stronger one? The that's the stronger one that gets his neck broken from the weaker one. We have to be so careful who we we get in with, who we tie ourselves to. They call themselves a Christian, but do they act like Jesus? Do they genuinely serve Jesus? A Jesus follower leaves a trail of evidence called fruit. I love this quote. If they don't understand Jesus, they can't understand you. If they don't understand Jesus, they don't know who is most important to you. Quote, unquote, but we love each other. If they don't have the Spirit, they don't have the same source of love that you do. Oh, that's so good, right? So just as a a clue to find out where they're at, if you bring up spiritual matters in some way, something that you're learning from Scripture or you're excited about, and they just snuff out your conversation or it gets really awkward or whatever, they may not be serving the Lord and on the same path as you are. But if talking about the Lord excites them, and it energizes your conversation you're in a good place this person loves the lord like you do number 2 do they have healthy friends proverbs 13:20 says whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm do their friend or do their friends have drastically different moral standards than you do their friends are some of their biggest influences and their closest friends reveal who that person is under the surface, and even reveal their future. Consider their friends. Are they healthy? Number three, do they have clearly defined strong moral convictions? Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. A chapter later, Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So does this person do they have clearly defined moral convictions? Do they have strong stances on what is right and what is wrong? Are they or are they willing to change their views to fit their situation because it's convenient? Are they honest? Do they wear masks depending on what crowd they're in? If there's deception in them, they're not dateable yet. Number 4. Are they committed to sexual purity? Sexuality is one of the things that can sabotage your future marriage. Before your marriage and in your marriage. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Run away. Don't walk away. Don't close the door. Sprint out from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. Is this person always pushing things further physically? Are they, or are they actively trying to save their body? Are they trying to save their eyes for their spouse? What a great question. Images from movies and social media, TikTok, God help us, and trashy people, those images get burned into our brains. And sometimes they're never erased. Who do you want your spouse thinking about when you give yourself to them. And as a great caveat, pornography is a marriage murderer. A wedding doesn't delete the brain's search history. It rewires the brain. Pornography rewires the brain to never be satisfied even by a spouse. We have to be so careful. Run from sexual immorality. So if pornography is in their life, If watching garbage movies is in their life, this person's not on the same course as you. Without redemption and a ton of work by the Holy Spirit, they're going to carry some serious baggage. And number five, are they selfless? Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Remember the qualities of love from the first week? Love, (laughs) sorry, decreases distance, Love is unconditional. Love is sacrifice and nothing less. Are you seeing them putting others over themselves? Would they even risk your friendship with them to act in your best interest? Do you want to know if someone is selfless? Do they respect you? Do they have high regard for your feelings and your wishes and your needs? This is either going to make a marriage into a prison or it's going to make your marriage free whether or not they respect you and you respect them. And as a side thought, a huge sign of not respecting you is manipulation. And it's worth going and Googling some of the signs of manipulation and different forms of manipulation so you can identify them before you jump into a vehicle like Bob Goff, before you tie yourself to someone who is manipulative if they're using guilt trips to make you feel guilty to get their way, if they're aggressive or, or were, if they're, you challenge it and so they escalate in anger or being pushy, be careful. If they're always playing the victim and woe is me and everything is bad, if they try to criticize you or pick at you or make fun of you to get their way, like these are signs of manipulation. Don't tie yourself to them. This person is not dateable yet. So who is a Christian looking to discover? It's someone on the same course with rich character. Course and character. But these two alone make outstanding friendships, but they aren't enough for a life partner. A future spouse also has to be, our third C, compatible. On the same course, godly character and compatible. So consider the compatibility. And just before I even launch into Things to look for for compatibility, I kind of want to blow up a myth first. Stop making attractiveness an idol. Whether or not you think they're hot or sexy or whatever is not a compatibility test. Unlearn the lie that there is some sort of physical standard that everyone has to get close to. It's a myth. God created us and he doesn't make junk. The world does not get to set a standard for beauty or handsomeness or whatever it is. The world doesn't get that right. No, God has the right as creator. The world doesn't get that right. Your standard, listen now, remember love is a choice? Your standard for beauty or attractiveness or whatever is the standard you choose to view the person you've chosen did you follow me on that? Your standard is how you choose the view, the person you've chosen. And as sort of a silly example, I swear my wife is blind to every other guy. It's like she's made a conscious choice that what she finds most attractive in a male is short and skinny, huge chin and curly hair. And she looks at me and she's like, voila, he's perfect. But isn't that love? The best marriages are between the best of friends. And I said it last week, two people attracted to each other physically doesn't necessarily make them best friends. There are many, many failed marriages between people who found each other really, really attractive. But best friends will grow in being more and more and more attracted to each other. So stop making that an idol. It's not worth it. So compatibility test number one, and this is coming from your perspective, this is your gauges, your litmus test. Number one, do you admire each other's character? Admiring each other's character, this is where you get mutual respect. If you don't admire one another's character, you're gonna struggle to respect each other and you're gonna struggle going forward, period. Number two, do you have common interests? It's so simple, it's practical. Do you, are, are you both willing to embrace each other's common interests or each other's interests and try something new? Do you have fun together? Does your conversation come easily and without effort? Do you laugh together often? Are things getting physical fast? If things are getting hot and heavy all the time, it's a sign that you lack the top three. You obviously don't admire each other's character. You obviously must not have very much fun together if everything has to get physical all the time, and you must not have fun together. So things have to get physical. This teaches you something about yours and their motivations in the relationship. Also, do you get along with each other's friends and family? This is a great test for compatibility. If they don't get along with your friends, or you don't get along with their friends, or your parents, or their parents, it should be a little red flag. Like, what's going on? What do they see that they don't see? And number six, do you have similar views on the marriage conflict trifecta? See, there's three things that, that get their hands into every marriage that seem to cause conflict all the time. And the three things are money, sex, and family. And they cause the most arguments. So as you're moving through the, the filter, you want to talk through things and make sure you're on the same page and have similar reviews on, on the marriage conflict trifecta. Compatibility test number two, and this is where you go from your perspective and you look at other people's perspective. All of these are based on outside sources. Why do we need perspectives from outside sources? Because we who are in a very emotionally charged relationship may not see as clearly as other people can. So number one, what do your parents think about this person? They've been around the block, and down the road before. They have a lot of wisdom. Lean on your parents' wisdom. This may be your first conversation about this. But break through that. Love your parents a little bit. Give them a chance to share wisdom, hard-earned, maybe painfully earned wisdom. Number two, what does your accountability partner think about them? The person that is in your life that you respect, that is holding you accountable to your convictions, what do they think about them? Number three, what do your close friends think? And what I mean by close is not the people you spend the most time with, maybe, but what I mean are your friends that love you enough to be honest even when you won't like them for it. What do they think about this person? Number four, what does the Bible say about their character? And we just spent some good time discussing character. Now you're going to need to make two lists. Are you with me still? Two lists. The first list is deal-breakers, and the second list is must-haves. Deal-breakers are those things that, hey, this person might make a great friend, but there is something in their character, there's something between us, there's something incompatible that is just not good for the long run. I can't see myself with them for the rest of my life. So what are those deal-breakers? I I remember I was was like a young teenager when I made my list of deal-breakers. One of my deal-breakers was that... (laughs) Whoever came into my life couldn't—because I lived in North Louisiana—whoever came into my life, they couldn't have a hint of racism whatsoever. Like, God had me love people, and I love people. And, and, and the difference in skin color, like, our, our blood's the same color. We come from the same place. And so if anyone, being in North Louisiana, if anyone had a, even a hint, it was like, pff, they're scratched off the list. I've got a deal breaker there. So what are your deal breakers? Think about that. Make a list. What are some of your must-haves? Like, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with someone, they, I need them to have these qualities. I need these things to be true of them. Don't get in and tie yourself to someone that is not on the same course with you, who doesn't have godly character, and who isn't compatible with you. Now, someday, you may find yourself in a relationship with someone who isn't going the same direction you're going. Now, you must have skipped some steps in the filter process, but you find yourself in this relationship, and you're like, hmm, they're not going the same way I'm going. They don't have the godly character I'm looking for. I don't think we're compatible. This relationship is unhealthy. I can't see myself with them for the rest of my life, and you need to consider ending it. I remember I was a freshman in college, and I was dating this girl for a handful of months, and my friend asked me, he said, can you see yourself with her for the rest of your life? And I was like, no. And he's like, why are you dating her? I was like, I don't know, it's fun. And he was like, well, why are you wasting your time and your energy and your emotions? And it was like, this was like, I got called to the carpet. And it was amazing. I was like, okay, it's true. So we broke up, and it was painful, and it was a mess, and it was one of the best things that could have happened. Like if you see yourself in a relationship and this person is not showing the three C's, you might come to a point that it's time to end it. Or maybe someday someone breaks up with you. Ouch, that stings. It's a a very possible reality. So I've got for you and for your consideration, five survival tips for dealing with breakups. You didn't know you were getting this tonight, huh? This is free of charge. Number one. (coughs) Five survival tips for dealing with breakups. Step into your feelings. Whether you're the one being broken up with or the one doing the breaking, if you cared for them, if you invested in them, it hurts. There's no way around it. That's a reality. Don't bury it. Don't try to get around it. The reality is it hurts. And this pain is probably going to be proportional to how much trust is broken. How long, how much investment Promises may be broken, expectations are crushed, your social status has changed abruptly. If your identity was in your relationship, which it shouldn't be, well, that's shot now. You may feel a blast of insecurity, personally attacked, confused, overwhelmed with what-ifs. Breakups are painful, and their feelings are real. It's okay to cry, it's okay to be brokenhearted, it's okay to be a little angry. But no matter how much it hurts or how impossible it is to see a future you're not always going to feel like this. I promise you. Your feelings can be real, but at the same time, they can be wrong. It's not the end of the world. And we have a very real God who you serve. Psalm 147.3 says that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Time and the Holy Spirit are powerful healers. There's hope past this pain. Number two, gain perspective. Here's a few things to remember. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Who God has made you isn't based on whether or not you're dating or who you're dating. No, you belong to him. Your identity is in him. Isaiah 43.1 says, I have called you by name. You're mine. You never even really belonged to that person. You belong to your number one first, Jesus. There's your stability. There's your anchor, no matter how much It hurts. Number two, remember that you have a long life left. This is a tiny piece of your whole life. It's sort of like the mountain, right? And there's clouds that come and go to the point that you can't even see the mountain, but it's still there. And they're gonna come and they're gonna go and they're gonna come and they're gonna go. And this pain's gonna come and it's gonna go. You have a long life left and your mountain is who you serve. Another one is remember that there's more to life than romance. There's more to life than a relationship. This relationship should not have been the most important part of your life. They were not, and they are not your anchor. They're not your identity, your purpose, your happiness, or your fulfillment. And remember, God hasn't stopped having a plan for your life. In fact, His kingdom and His mission are actually more important than happiness. His kingdom and mission are more important than romance or any relationship. Matthew 6:33 says seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. There is more goodness, there's more purpose, and there's more joy ahead than there is pain right now. So number 1, lean into the pain. Number 2, gain perspective. Number 3, this is the hardest one, forgive. And you may need to ask for forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. There's something beautiful that happens. When you choose to forgive, your heavenly father comes close and heals. It feels impossible to forgive, but it's when we make that step and that choice. Forgiveness is an emotion, just like love is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice, and it's then that the Lord moves in and heals. Now be wise. Forgiveness does not mean trust. But forgiveness is putting them in God's hands, giving mercy, and ultimately it sets you free. Number four, (coughs) learn to fail forward. This experience gives you the potential. Potential, not always, but it gives you the potential to be wiser. I've seen way too many people just relive the same mistakes over and over again. But you can be wiser. Consider, were your priorities out of line? Did you commit too soon? Did you move too fast? Were you looking for something then that you now realize isn't important? Did you discover deal breakers or must-haves that are now very important to you? How can you grow from here? Now, you'll avoid a lot of this pain if you go through the steps of last week. Go listen to it. Elevate Student Ministry podcast. Number five, the last one, don't rebound. It's not worth it. This season of singleness is a blessing. Lean into Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Lay aside every weight, run with endurance, and place your eyes on Christ. He is your most important relationship. And listen, don't rebound whenever you feel like you're discovering, deciding who to look for, begin with step number one. Don't leap. So many times I'll watch relationships happen and they'll get to, you know, step six. And then in 10 days with their next rebound, they're back at step six again. No, no, no. Take it slow. Filter, filter, filter. It's worth it. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Are you willing to discover instead of seek? So here's your challenge for this week. Pen and paper, write your list of deal breakers. Write your list of must-haves and do it prayerfully. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these students. I thank you for your word that brings so much clarity. I thank you that our identity shapes who you're calling us to discover. Lord, unravel every need in every heart in this room that feels the pressure to seek and to strive blindly for some missing piece. Oh, Father, you fill the shape in us that can't be filled by anything but you. So I pray, Lord, that you are developing whole Christians in this room whole Christians that can walk in confidence and rest, that you are in control, that don't have to seek. They can discover that you, Lord, would bring your choice. And yet they'll release that even into your hands. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom in your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.